If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. It allows every state to decide when or where you can get an abortion, if at all. Will Roe versus Wade be overturned? How a leaked draft of the Supreme Court judgment could impact all women, and black women especially. We don't recognize that to be an actual illness in the body. And as we recognize the life-changing issue of mental health awareness, our candid cross-generational conversation about getting real and removing the stigmas. That's what's up. It's going to be a great night. And the countdown to the Billboard Music Awards, the chairman takes the reins and spreads love as the king of culture speaks up on all this canceling business. I am uncanceling the canceled. So who's getting the Diddy Pass? Plus, Queen Mary and friends come out in full female force to strengthen black women. It's great women right. in a room sharing, Absolutely. just giving each other hugs, giving each other love. All that and more as... The black news revolution starts now. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Naima Abdullahi. We begin with the leaked Supreme Court draft ruling, the reversal of Roe versus Wade. So what does that mean for black women in particular? That's tonight's top story. A leak that sent shockwaves into the nation. Huge breaking news tonight. The fear of overturning an almost 50-year-old case sparked a debate among black women who already felt unprotected within the health system. I have two strikes. I'm black and I'm a woman. And now I barely have rights. I don't have rights to my own uterus. Abortion is healthcare. Healthcare is a right. They are right. They are people with the heart. If overturned, 23 states would limit abortion access. 13 states with trigger laws would ban abortion immediately. What had happened in Texas is oh, there's no abortions um, and there's no exceptions from uh, the six to eight week mark when you can hear a heartbeat. Deep breaths. So this is when you start to feel something to pull it. It basically allows the state of Mississippi to outlaw abortions at 15 weeks, which doesn't sound very radical to most folks um, when they hear that because they think, oh, 15 weeks is a long time. But what this sets up is it allows every state to decide when you can get an abortion, if at all. And so that is why this is so dangerous. The controversial development has led to an unraveling of its historic origins of abortion in the U.S., I'm sure everybody has heard the story of Margaret Sanger. She created Planned Parenthood and um, she was a eugenicist. She wanted to get rid of the quote unquote Negro population. We cannot go backwards. Abortion pills are in our hands and we won't stop. Pro life versus my body, my choice. A long standing debate heating up once again as black women are now speaking up on where they stand. I believe that uh, under the right Supreme Court, it will be overturned. I don't believe it's a civil rights issue. I really don't. To all the black women and girls who have had abortions and will have abortions, we have nothing to be ashamed of. We live in a society that has failed to legislate love and justice for us. So we deserve better, we, de we demand better. 
A lot of folks think that the the um, right to have an abortion is just about the choice of whether or not to be a parent. That's not true, particularly for black women. These are my arms, my legs, my vagina, my body. You cannot tell, you should not have any say so about what it is that we do with our bodies. I, um, I can't say what I really want to say on this mic. I mean, statistically, um, according to all the information out there, we will be hit because, unfortunately, so many of us live below the poverty line and have inadequate health care. After that, I remember being wheeled back to the operating room because I had to reopen my C-section and re-stitch it. Well, maternal health is something that Serena Williams has talked about. It's something that is in the forefront because still too many black women in America are dying as a result of poor maternal care. Here to help us cut through the noise are social justice journalist Lisa Durden, attorney Lisa Luncheon, better known on TikTok as Legal Luncheon, and Mallory Fink from the Anti-Abortion Social Club. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Let's address the biggest misconception with this draft that's, um, you know, gaining national attention. Overturning Roe versus Wade would give states more authority instead of the federal government. Could this lead to women seeking dangerous options? Lisa, I want to start with you. Uh, this this kind of dangerous thing opens up a bunch of cans of worms. We have a law called Roe v. Wade. It's a law. Not only is it a law, but it is a woman's civil rights to be able to have agency over her body and be able to make those decisions. So what happens is when you take a woman's civil rights, you harm them. And this is what this is doing. It's problematic at best. What does a post-Roe world look like to you? A post-Roe world looks like getting dangerous abortions. Abortion's not going to end. And I think I want to piggyback off of a point that was made earlier in that contraception, right? Education. These are all much better ways to reduce abortion. And as a matter of fact, the national abortion rate has been reduced, right? What we see now, people always like to invoke the fact that Black women, right, receive the most abortions. Well, if we want to talk about that, let's talk about how dangerous it is for a Black woman to become pregnant and give birth in this country. Let's talk about how Black women are dying at a higher rate than our counterparts in giving birth. And if we want to talk about that, I think all of these are way better solutions uh, versus uh, outlawing abortion, where this is going to take effect in the southern states, where over half of the Black population resides. This is going to have a huge and disproportionate effect on women of color, on Black women specifically, because let's get specific. Um, and what we're going to see is individuals who do have more money, they're going to be able to still get abortions and they will continue to get abortions. Why do Black women have the most to lose if the law is overturned? Well, Black women have the most to lose because we, we're losing already, right? And then I'm so sick of this discussion about uterus Olympics. I'm so sick of people trying to have our uteruses compete with each other. Yes, I feel like we should offer people who are victims of sexual violence, those options, but all women should be afforded that, not the uterus Olympus, where this person's uterus had, a, had an issue because she was raped, but this person's birth control failed, so no, she can't do it. We know the facts, not my opinion, the facts, that there was a dangerous thing happening in this country long before Roe v. Wade, where women were still getting dangerous abortions, back alley abortions, dying and bleeding, they're going to do it anyway. So why not make this legal? Why not make? Why not remain keeping it legal and make sure it's safe? Quite frankly, I believe morality and logic is on our side because if we can say that life is important, if we say that we value life, 
we see that life um, begins at, at conception. So we understand and pr can protect that life in the mother. I understand and I have a lot of sympathy for people who are in those situations where they possibly are in poverty, where um, they're unable to provide for the children they already have. That's why I think it's so important for us to do things to be able to help those people. I don't think that the solution would be to eliminate another human. There's so many different layers to this. The heartbeat law, which when a heartbeat is detected around six weeks, it makes it illegal in about five to six states. So what is your stance on this? I believe that that life must be protected. I think that it is part of our duty, part of us standing up for the truth um, to protect it. I think that the draft opinion was alarming on several fronts. Um, I think there was there was definitely some allusion to black, you know, black births uh, being aborted, um, you know, population control. I've heard that. Again, I think I w if I was going to say one thing I agreed with, and there's very little I agreed with, you know, what you said today, but I would, if I was going to agree with one thing, I would say that there are extremists on both sides of the table. Um, and I do want to say this as well. You've, you've kept saying that your personal belief, your belief is that life begins at conception, but that is not a belief that everybody has, right? And we can't take that as just, you know, fact. And you made that quote about the scientists. I have no reason to disbelieve what you say. So let's say I'm going to take that at face value. Still, you are imposing something on another individual based on your belief. And that's the problem. When it comes to reproductive rights, what restrictions should there be? Mallory? Um, so this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion. Um, I do not think we should have abortion um, from at all. I don't think there should be any exceptions. Once again, it goes back to this is a human being and someone's the way someone con is conceived is not their fault. You know, I was certainly concerned when you said that you believe that there are no exceptions, which I'm understanding to mean, you know, even in terms of sexual assault and things of that nature. But I don't want to go that deep into that because my position is what we just stated, right? I don't think it should matter. I think if you want to have an abortion, you should be able to have an abortion and that's that on that. Um, what Roe versus Wade did, though, is that there was a limitation and that was an attempt, in my view, to meet have a middle ground, right? You couldn't ban abortions up to a certain point, right? So if the woman wants to have an abortion up to about, let's say, 20 or so weeks, a woman was able to have that abortion. The conversation was between the doctor and the woman. That was a midpoint between, you know, pro-choice and pro-lifers. Now we're seeing that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, these states, these more conservative states, these southern states, Georgia, like where I'm at. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, abortion is most certainly going to be banned, and I think that's the wrong way to go. Thank you for your time and for your insight. We appreciate you as we dig deeper into this leaked draft that is sending shockwaves throughout the nation. That is Tanzanian recording artist Diamond Platinum's one of the biggest East African artists in the continent, who's also on the Netflix reality show Young, Famous, and African. Now, the show is celebrated for shattering the stereotypes of how Africa is portrayed in the headlines. And that is just one of our stops as we explore being black all over the world. First up, the crisis in Haiti continues to unfold, this time triggering the United Nations to condemn Haitian gangs' attempts to recruit children. 
The turmoil is claiming more lives. At least 39 people have been killed between April 24th and May 2nd, including 68 injured and about 9,000 people displaced. I have seen many things, people dying and people walking around with heavy weapons. There's no one who can say anything. Next, the Russian-Ukrainian war is having an impact when it comes to the dollars and cents of the African continent, causing food and fuel inflation, according to the UN. Many African countries desperately depend on food imports from both European countries, including wheat, corn, fertilizer, vegetable oil, and other essential items. The war and sanctions placed on Russia has caused a domino effect that's raising prices. Shifting gears to Somalia, which is experiencing the worst drought since 1981, now entering its fourth consecutive failed rainy season, many families are pleading for help. The situation around here is extremely difficult. People are hungry and in poor health. This humanitarian crisis makes 4.5 million Somalis impacted by the drought and hundreds of thousands displaced by the severe conditions. And statewide, the plea deal for Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer charged in the murder of George Floyd, has now been accepted by the judge overseeing the federal civil rights case. He could have faced a life sentence without the plea deal. At the state level, Chauvin is already serving a 22.5-year sentence for murder. Both sentences will be served at the same time. We'll be right back with more Revolt Black News Weekly. Keep it right here. It's not a Democrat or a Republican thing. It's a workers' thing. It's a workers' issue. And we're the ones that are suffering in the corporations that you're talking about, in the businesses that you're talking about, in the warehouses that you're talking about. So that's the reason why I think I was invited today to speak on that behalf. And you should listen because we do represent your constituents as well. That was the president of the newly formed Amazon Workers Union, Chris Smalls, testifying before Congress last week. Welcome back. In the U.S., inflation is surging at its fastest rate in 40 years, and with prices spiking from grocery stores to the gas pump, black communities are being hit especially hard. Now, we take a look at what's causing the record-setting inflation numbers and the widening wealth gap faced by this generation of black Americans. So we have to really reassess what success looks like for our community, and we can't do it through the lens of systems that were literally set up to oppress people who look like us. Capitalism is failing us, right? By the year 2053, I believe, the median Black wealth will be zero. Activist and social impact consultant Jamira Burley says the current economic crisis facing the Black community has been in motion for generations. With a global pandemic, a war in Ukraine, supply chain shortages and unprecedented shipping delays, the world economy is a hot mess and inflation is skyrocketing. At its core, inflation is the decrease in um, purchasing power versus the increase in the sale of goods and services. While the dollar is still the same, what you can actually buy for that really is impacted by inflation. We still see millions of Americans leaving their job because of the inconsistency and the fact that their wages are not increasing. And I think it's very frustrating for a lot of Americans to watch the government cut bailout checks to big corporations and only to see those corporations use those funds to buy back stocks and to give CEOs big um, bonuses while the vast majority of their workers can barely keep the lights on and can barely afford the rent in that particular city. 
African-Americans are overrepresented in low-wage jobs, positions that are often the first to be eliminated during an economic downturn, according to U.S. Labor Secretary John Walsh. The reality and the facts speak for themselves. When, when, when this country has gone through recessions, or even pre-recession, uh, generally, the, the unemployment rate in the black community is double that of the white community. That's a systemic problem. That's why we can't revert to the same old, same old when we come re respond, recover from the pandemic. We need to make sure we're creating a pathway forward. He says one way to create that pathway is through the equitable investment of the president's trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. In, the, in that bill, in that investment in, in roads and bridges and broadband and access across the country, that, that we get the communities of color, particularly black community, Latino community, have opportunities and that's again to the middle class. The black community is harmed by inflation and recession and is traditionally left out of the economic recovery, widening the nation's racial wealth gap and shrinking the black middle class. That is one of the reasons why many people are actually saying that the idea of reparations is not so far off, considering the fact that you have the black community starting a race, right, the, the, the race of the American dream, hundreds of years after everyone else. Another idea, canceling student debt. On average, African-Americans hold 85.8% more debt than white students, affecting financial stability and what jobs they enter. You do not pay me enough. <laughs> In March, chemical engineering grad Simon Jackson went viral on TikTok when he decided to live at his desk in protest. After everything ended, I saw an email that said that everybody in the company would be getting a 3% raise. My thought was that my living in the office had helped get everybody a few extra thousand. And while Jackson's method may be extreme, young Americans are leaving the corporate world in record numbers, questioning the status quo of making ends meet. I think what's really interesting about Generation Z is the idea that they are looking through the issues from a very intersectional lens like never before. But it requires all of us kind of, um, you know, showing up, doing the work, demanding the change and not allowing our individual success to be a distraction for what, what we need to do collectively for the community. Joining me for a conversation, we have Mario Payne, financial planner, and also Simon Jackson, former project manager, along with social media influencer. Thank you both for joining us today. The spike in inflation has obviously had an effect on communities of color trying to recover in the wake of the pandemic, but let's talk about how we got here. Mario, let's get started. You're a financial planner. How was the black community left behind in the recovery from the 2008 recession, and how is that affecting them during this recovery? right now? Yeah, great question. Uh, in a negative way, the market has basically almost tripled since the last Great Recession. Uh, our wallet share and our investments have not tripled because we had to sell investments. So we think about it back in 2007, 2008, 2009, when the market was going down, a lot of our people had to sell their investments, right? If we sell our investments to, to help family members who are laid off or help family members pay their bills, their money's not growing. So as the market started to grow in 2009, 2010, and now here more than 10 years later, we haven't recovered. And as individuals and other communities make money, if we don't make money, we're not left with the bag. And that's the big reason why the wealth gap has increased like it has over the past 12 years. So it just depends. If we receive reparations and we blow through the money like it's 1999, it's not going to help us as a community. But if we invest that money, invest in ourselves, start businesses and have our money grow, then yes, I think that's a good idea that will help our community over time. 
Now, I want to talk about how the economy today is affecting young Americans. Simon, you went viral on TikTok. It was everywhere when you moved into your office building in protest because your salary wasn't enough to cover the cost of rent. Why not just move back in with your parents or family members? Why was that your first option? My parents and family live in West Virginia, and my job was in Seattle. So I had to relocate to even get a job. The first thing was I was already not really being able to afford where I was at in Seattle. Rent is around 2000 per month. Uh, in addition for me, though, uh, I also had student loans that had been deferred for most of 2020, but had started to come back in, and they, they wanted me to start making payments. So there was like $1,500 on top of the 2000 which leaves you know, 500 for um, just living. Now, you asked for a raise and your employer said no. Uh, so moving into the office was your solution. What responsibilities do you think employers have to help support young people just entering the job market? I think continuing the conversation around, around their compensation. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Station. I do understand that a lot of employers are taking a bit of a risk on the front end with a person who doesn't have a background or doesn't have the at least a uh, evidence based uh, of the, of their skill set. So they are taking a bit of a risk, but have keeping the conversation going uh, and and giving merit increases as as they continue to do the job and as their quality of the job continues to increase, so should their pay. Uh, and I, what, I've, what I see is that employers get in and start paying people a lower amount uh, and then just keep paying people a lower amount regardless of the quality of work or how much work people continue to do. And I don't think that's what I don't like. That's what I saw with myself. Now, aside from policies, what are things everyday black families and businesses can do to offset inflation and counter the wealth gaps? Number one, spending. Number two, more income. <clears throat> Think about it right now. 64% of all Americans live paycheck to paycheck. In our community, 73%. That's three out of four households in our community that live paycheck to paycheck. So if our nine to five is not working, it's not enough to pay bills, maybe we drive for Uber. Maybe we drive for Lyft, maybe we do Uber Eats, maybe we start an online business, maybe we become a TikToker, right, and, and monetize that way. So if you can't reduce your spending, I would strongly recommend that we get some type of gig that helps us pay bills, because with inflation, it's going to happen. It's happening now. Nothing we can do about it. Thank you, Mario and Simon, for chiming in on this discussion. Inflation looks like it's here to stay. This is record numbers that we're seeing in the last 40 years. But thank you for making yourself available to let us know your thoughts. Up next, our cross-generational conversation about mental health when we return. As a black woman, yes. it's almost as if you are not allowed to have any kind of reactions, yeah. emotions, emotions. Yeah. nothing. Who told us we need to carry all that stuff? I think it's generational and I think it's cultural.
That is Willow Smith weighing in on black women carrying the load of rising to the top and balancing mental health. Now, for many people, talking about mental health issues is seen as a taboo, while on the other hand, a new generation is about the more you talk, the more you know. That said, we pulled a panel to talk about how much is too much when it comes to the mental health discussion. And here with us today, we have Gen X blogger Khadija Morse, millennial actor Anna Maria Doris, doctor of psychology and therapist Dr. Spirit, and our very own Kennedy Rue. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. So let's get right into it and let's unpack this. What is depression and what can it look like? I want to start with you, Dr. Spirit. Well, depression in its clinical form is a mental health diagnosis that is basically related to how we feel. And I often tell people sometimes it's confused with anxiety or some other mental health issues, but it's really about guilt, shame, sadness, reflection on things that have already happened. And it really makes it difficult for us to show up and to function in our lives in a way where we can actually feel joy, where we can feel happiness, and sometimes where we can even feel it all. What are some of the major differences in how older generations acknowledge uh, depression than younger generations? I wanna start with you first, uh, Kennedy. In our community, um, mental health has become such, well, has always been a very taboo conversation. Um, I know talking to older generations about depression, I often get the response, just pray about it, mm. just meditate on it, and it'll work itself out. I think that there's often been a dismissal that it is a real, like Dr. Spirit said, mental condition, a, almost a state of being in your mind, and that um, you can't necessarily pray it away or just meditate it away. Sometimes there has to actually be some medical or therapeutic intervention. First of all, as a black woman in, in my 50s, it is not uncommon that we think we have to power through everything. It's hard for us to acknowledge that depression could actually be something that has to be dealt with and that we can't just power our way through it. I will tell you personally, I've been battling depression for two years and I speak about it openly because we do need to remove the stigma. And a lot of us, especially as a Gen Xer, my mom came out of the silent generation. And honey, if anybody powered through, that was a generation that powered through. And we thought that that's what we needed to do. For me, when it comes to the cross-generational standpoint, the earlier generations, I think, had a different idea of what happiness looked like. So Toni Morrison has a really beautiful quote on Love and Generation where she says, you know, her grandmother's generation, they're, they were passionate about just staying alive for their kids. And then her mother's generation was like, okay, well maybe I can save enough to send my kids to college. And her generation is trying to give her children the freedom to be fully themselves. And so I feel as though as a millennial, I'm that generation where I'm trying to fully be myself and express who I am. But in doing that, I also have to be honest about where I'm lacking and where I need help. And so I remember being younger and expressing concerns about my mental health around age 14. And it was very much viewed as, what do you have to be depressed about? What do you have to be sad about? Like you have a roof over your head, you have clothes on your back, you have food to eat, what are you depressed for? And so when I got older and then I still was dealing with these issues and I finally was like, hey, like I really do need to see a specialist. For me, therapy saved my life, honestly. In the 1990s, a public opinion poll showed that 63% of black people believe that depression is a personal weakness. Why do you believe this mindset exists? 
Well, because as you've heard the other guests talk about, for a long time, we were conditioned to have to simply survive. And so what that was about is having the mental and sometimes the physical wherewithal to just take on the stress that you were dealing with and simply endure, learning how to pack that away in order to be able to keep going because we're hardwired to survive. And so quite frankly, we didn't have the luxury of being able to pay attention to our psychological welfare. We don't recognize that to be an actual illness in the body that is dependent upon care and treatment in order to go into remission. And to that point, I want our audience to recognize that 50% of all mental illness is believed to be developed before the age of 14 and 75% before the age of 24. And so we have individuals who are walking around for decades, believing sometimes that their illness are actually facets of their personality, when in fact they are symptoms of illness. And unfortunately, we just have not done a good job in the medical community dealing with the systemic racism, dealing with the stereotypes, and dealing with the stigma that stops so many of us from getting care. And that is over generations. And, you know, as we're really talking about stigmas, how can we redefine what it means to be a strong Black woman? That is a phrase we've all heard many a times. Uh, let's really talk about how we can redefine that and reclaim that. Well, for me, a strong Black woman is honest and lives in her truth and she's vulnerable. And I think vulnerability is such an act of courage. And I think it takes so much strength to acknowledge when you need help. I was experiencing um, an intense sadness my freshman year of college um, to the point where I didn't want to leave the bed. When my friends would invite me out, it would feel painful to get up and get dressed and put makeup on and walk into the world because it felt so contrary to how I felt on the inside. It felt like an act of betrayal by just showing up because my body, my mind, I wasn't present. I wasn't there. Um, I was experiencing that and then I later realized after I'd gotten a diagnosis that it was bipolar disorder, but I was experiencing the depression, but also the mania, which is characterized by insomnia, staying up really late, being impulsive, making rash decisions, and finally getting a diagnosis, which was bipolar disorder, I realized that I could then seek treatment and that there was a way out. Because now I know this is an illness that I'm going to have to contend with for the rest of my life. I now know the signs, the signals, and the ways that I can live and thrive with my mental illness. It's so necessary that we have these conversations because I felt completely alone. I didn't realize that there were other black women, other women in my immediate community, in my immediate vicinity, dealing with the exact same thing that I was dealing with. I have a son who has schizoaffective disorder. And his journey, as is common for young men, started at, in college, his first year of college. And quite honestly, I almost lost my sanity trying to save my sons because there's a whole ripple effect when you're dealing with a child with a mental illness with very few support systems out there. And then you, as a, as a parent, you don't have much control over it. And that then triggered 
our depression so or my depression because the truth is if you have a mental illness you are seven times more likely in florida to go to jail than you are to a hospital in fact in hillsborough county florida the only way if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive at participating McDonald's. You to get long-term treatment if with a mental illness is if you commit a crime. That's how broken our mental health system is. Our son had been struggling with increasing mental illness that was untreated because all we could ever do is get very short-term stays. In Florida, it's called a Baker Act. So, and they literally have to be a direct threat to themselves or others. And as his illness proceeded, he realized he was losing control. And as a black man went to the police and said to him, said to them, please take me to the hospital because if you don't, I'm afraid I'm gonna hurt someone. They put him in the hospital. And when the funding ran out after a week, they put him on the streets. Within a few days, no meds in his system. He had a psychotic break as he was driving his car and um, he ran over a man who was riding bikes with his children. It was a horrific tragedy that should have never happened because he could not get care. He served four years in jail, not getting treatment, only to get a not guilty by reason of insanity and still sat in jail another, another seven months before we could finally get him into the hospital. He's finally in the hospital now. And the concerns that you have as, as a mother are concerns so many family members have all over the country. Spirit, I want to ask you something. How can we bridge the generational gap on mental health in the black community? Well, you know, we have to do away with the stigmas. We have to recognize that these, con these concepts and these ideas are rooted in trauma. And what we really have to begin to do in the Black community is recognize our whole health, our whole bodies, and realize that our mental wealth, our mental wellness, is a function of our brain, which is part of our physical wellness. And so in the same way that we are attending to every other part of our body, we need to tend to the wellness of our brains. We have to do better first with ourselves and then with our community because this trauma is killing us. It looks like personality, it looks like family dysfunction, it looks like culture, and we never recognize it for the trauma and the illness that it is, and we need to do better. Dr. Spirit, uh, Khadija Morris, uh, Anna Maria, and also Kennedy Rue, thank you ladies for painting a picture of something we've been going through on so many different generations. Thank you all for joining us and for your insight. Up next, the Billboard Awards gets a touch of love. We're one-on-one -on -one with P. Diddy as he gears up to steal the show. Kennedy has the wrap-up in the entertainment remix when we come back. All we cared about was buying clothes. Like, who was directing those visuals? Me. You were? All yeah. of them? See, that's what I'm saying. You're looking at a renaissance, man. Like, nah, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. We visionary, so. That is ASAP Rocky, keeping it real with the guys on an all-new episode of Drink Champs. Welcome back. Time to get caught up on the latest in entertainment. Kennedy, what you got for us? Well, Naima, what an amazing week of black girl empowerment brought right here in the A by Mary J. Blige and the Pepsi-powered Strength of a Woman Festival. But first, we're jump-starting things with our chairman, Mr. Combs, shaking things up and revolutionizing this year's Billboard Music Awards in tonight's Entertainment Remix. That's what's up, and it's gonna be a great night. You have the biggest in country music, the biggest in rap, and they coming to the stage, and they coming back. 
Our chairman, the one and only Sean John Combs, is spreading nothing but love at the Billboard Music Awards, which he's executive producing and hosting. This is the big exclusive I'm gonna give you, is, is love is about forgiveness. This being a night of love, I am uncanceling the canceled. Yep, the boss has spoken. It's time to uncancel the canceled. I think it's very wrong for people to cancel people. Um, things happen in life that you can't control. People make mistakes, accidents happen, and people deserve a second chance. So that's why it was important for me to have Travis Scott perform and Morgan Wilder. Travis took a big hit after the Astroworld Music Festival in Houston, Texas, in which 10 people died last November. Wallen takes to the stage at a major award show since he was caught on camera using a racial slur. I told him, eat it or get out, that's your ultimatum. And they're not the only ones set to take the Billboard stage. Burner Boy is expected to perform as are Meg Thee Stallion, Maxwell, and Lotto. The show honors the hottest names in the music industry with winners selected by performance on the Billboard charts. It's gonna be energetic and it's all good because love is about forgiveness. And there's a lot more taking off in the Diddyverse. True to his can't stop, won't stop motto, the multi-hyphenate icon refuses to rest on his laurels. I'm starting an all R&B label uh, and I'm just dropping R&B. I'm dropping an R&B project and I'm doing it with Motown Records. And it was important for me to get a, as I got, you know, set back up, because I took a pause in the music industry, I wanted to partner with somebody that I can learn from, you know, because it's a different time. And speaking of time, the hip hop icon is set to hail the queen of hip hop soul as a fellow icon at the Billboard Awards. That's my highlight of the night is the Mary J. Blige Icon Award. My sister, is getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. We started in the mud together in the projects. You know, her singing, me picking her up, and now I'm exec producing and hosting the awards, and she's performing and getting a Lifetime Achievement Icon Award. Man, God is so good. How does it feel to receive that award from someone you consider family? It feels amazing. It's a moment where I, I believe I deserve, or I work very hard all my life um, from day one, and I'm getting it from my brother and my partner who helped me to um, open this lane for so many artists, you know, that are doing exactly the same thing that I was doing and I started doing, I, I'm still doing. That lane is continu continuously open because of what me and Puff built, and I'm getting it from him. I was with Mary in Atlanta and on the ground to witness firsthand the power of her annual Strength of a Woman movement. I was just singing for my life, stomping around, doing a real love dance. There's something about Mary and the way she inspires black women to live their best life. I know I'm the epitome of the strength of a woman because, you know, I've been through hell, period. And I'm back and I'm living and I'm thriving and I'm not just surviving. And um, I'm, I understand how to navigate all these storms now. And one more note to the remix, shout out to the ladies of Four Colored Girls who landed seven Tony Award nominations will have their reaction. Meantime, I'm on my way to Vegas for the big show. Kennedy, can't wait for your recap of the event. Thank you so much. Up next, our revolutionary of the week when we return. Welcome back. Before we go, we want to shine a light on the disruptor for change. In our revolutionary of the week. 
VitaBoy is an on-demand urgent care service. We essentially send a board-certified nurse practitioner to you in an hour or less or at the time of your appointment. And at the core of what we're trying to accomplish is really deliver personalized acute care at an affordable price. That is the goal for Joseph Kitanga, the immigrant who came to the U.S. from Kenya at the age of 13 and watched his parents bootstrap a home health care small business. He dropped out of college and found Vitable Health, which gives workers a primary care-based health insurance plan with no co-pays or deductibles. I believe Vitable does two things really well. We save parents both time and money. So we're super convenient. And at the core of what we're trying to accomplish is really deliver personalized acute care at an affordable price. So scheduling a visit is, is fairly simple. You just go on our website, you tell us what's wrong, when you'd like the appointment to be, and whether it's for now or later, uh, we'll schedule it and our nurse practitioner will show up at your door. To date, the company has raised millions of dollars from investors looking to disrupt the healthcare industry in the city of brotherly love, while inspiring other healthcare companies across the country. And we come to you when you need us, so making healthcare more accessible. The one-time Penn State University student says he decided to drop out after winning $10,000 from a college pitch competition, which he says was monumental for his company's launch. Now, with a large leap, his company could potentially provide acute and preventative coverage to 40 million uninsured and 38 million underinsured Americans. About 70% of ER visits are unnecessary. People go to the ER for strep infections or minor sprains, and all those things we could be taking care of in their home. Listed on Forbes' 30 under 30 list of 2022, Kitanga is more about making an impact, not only in his Philadelphia area community, but inspiring other cities across the country and around the world. Job well done and congratulations. That does it for us. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? 
head over to amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.